Hey, I'm Matt Justin. And I'm Tom Macero, and you're listening to the Crypto Miner Podcast. And welcome back to episode 13 of the Crypto Miner Podcast. I'm Tom Macero, and I've got Matt Justin with me. And in this week's episode, we discuss the hash rate increase and volatility, block streams entry into Bitcoin mining, supplier delays on new miners, the upcoming halvening, and the secondary market. Matt, take it away with the hash update. Hey, Tommy. Good to speak with you again. I know it's been a while. In, in our absence, a few things have happened. One, the price you know, went up to about, uh, I think, close to 14000 and then came back down. It seems to be settling over the summer around 10000 We've been crossing down a few times. Uh, right now, we're sitting around 9,500 again. We've had a big drop today and yesterday. That surprised everybody. But uh, we're entering, you know, the end of the third quarter and, and the fourth quarter. So who knows how, how that's going to go. As far as the hash rate's concerned, we've been on a tear. Uh, we've been increasing hash rate, you know, every two weeks by by heavy percentages. We've reached almost... 100 exahash. I think we were at like 91. And then last night or yesterday, depending on where you are, we saw some kind of a flash crash that multiple news outlets and Twitter, the Twitter world is reporting that we dropped down to 75 exahash and then back up uh, to about 80. So this is definitely an anomaly. We don't know what's going on. What have you heard, Tommy, about this hash rate drop? Well, I mean, I don't know if I've necessarily heard many things. I think the tinfoil hat uh, definitely gets dawned on uh, something like this with it being a, such a dramatic drop. Uh, so, you know, the couple couple of kind of uh, competing theories I've seen out there, and I'm sure you might have uh, probably a more rational take than me, would be, A, you've got a number of mining manufacturers who have done pre-sales, who have had expect, expected shipments delayed. Uh, so that leads some to believe that there's a lot of pre-mining going on between the three manufacturers or four manufacturers, um, and they've taken them offline. That may or may not work. Uh, I heard someone talk about this new Google supercomputer thing, which is, I, that's just not true. Uh, it's not made to do this, and it's a lot of FUD. Um, and, uh, you know, secondly, just, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that there's, I wish there was more robust, robust uh, reporting on stuff like this. Um, and maybe there could be some more, I guess, like either analysis or insight. Maybe we'll hear about it in the next couple of days. What, what are your initial thoughts? Well, one, I thought it was FUD at first. You saw my comment to you. So I, I was taken by surprise. You know, we've increased since July. We've gone up 14%. We had a small dip back. And then as uh, I'm hearing, you know, batches being delivered for certain manufacturers, we've increased 10%, you know, 1%, 5%. And then the last adjustment was about 10% on uh, 913, which brought us to 85. And then we saw, you know, the, the difficulty adjustment, uh, which is going to be set to happen in the next uh, couple of days, it looks like. It almost hit 91 and a half. So that led me to believe we were going to be breaking through 100 uh, exahash. But now, uh, you know, 
I'm seeing on the graph, you know, once you said that to me and showed me the news reports this morning, I, I just did a double take. I started looking at different sites. And, and yeah, I, I find it uh, intriguing that we don't have much reliable information as far as hash rate. We had this site called Bitcoin Wisdom, which was, in my mind, very good. It had a nice graph to it. And, um, and, and also they showed like the, the difficulty adjusting uh, up below and up above ha uh, based on the hash rate and, and so forth coming on. But that site's dead. It hasn't updated, it looks like, since March or April. And uh, I've been relying on BTC.com, which is not correct because they're not showing this drop. I, I went to Coin Wars and, and looked at that site a little bit. They show the drop. Um, I saw the article that was published by, uh, it was Coindesk uh, published the article? I think it might have been Cointelegraph. Oh, Cointelegraph. There's multiple reports of this happening. I do not think it's anything to do with Google and that quantum computer they announced uh, the other day or, or, or that. Uh, one, it can only do uh, 50 something, uh, you know, uh, cycles, whatever it is they're doing um, in, in terms of quantum computing. And they said it would, it would have to uh, 4x it to be able to break 256 encryption. Uh, but that's for another conversation. I, I actually reached out to a couple of my Chinese uh, friends and people in the manufacturing world of, of, of miners, and they were like, what drop? So they were all surprised as well. I had to show them the news. So it, it's not like someone, uh, uh, you know, was planning this that someone knew about because it, it could be uh, someone dropped off a lot of power. I, in, in my mind, the only person, people that could do this is someone in China where they lost a whole bunch of power for some reason. I do see it coming back a little bit, not where it was uh, the other day, like two days ago. So, yeah, I mean, this like that's that's like almost hundreds of megawatts. Worth yeah, of I mean, like so from ninety one down to seventy five, that's a big drop. But I I've heard some you know theories that it's it's someone lost power or is uh, swapping out their farm. I don't think it's swapping out the farm so much because why would they just drop the entire farm at one shot? You know, they're not going to sell all the boxes in one shot unless they had a buyer for them all, and and. We haven't seen any like increase in like retail like on these sites like uh, our friend Scott offered. Nobody's reported an influx of, of like miners coming through in the used market. So I find it strange uh, to say that it might be just a sale like that, like, like taking down. So it, it very well could be pre-mining. I, I don't know. Uh, it would be a lot of pre-mining too and to just shut it down and remove it all at once didn't doesn't really make sense either it's kind of noticeable totally so i'm leading to someone losing a lot of power or a huge outage in china and that it, it most likely will return but uh definitely intriguing right yeah i mean we haven't seen like a flash crash in in hashing i don't know since i've been in bitcoin watching watching the hash rate i haven't seen um, a flash crash have you not not like that. Well, and the funny part is how it coincided with kind of this slight drop in price, too. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, it's never a boring time in, uh, in, in mining land, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, th this hash rate I, I really thought was going to crush through 100. 
by by uh, you know like maybe even September end of September how it was looking you know ninety one and then going back keep on going but uh, I'm sure we'll hear some more information as like the news settles and and maybe some people speak in China I I have to think this this drop is in China there's there's not too many farms that are pulling offline uh, you know unless there was a sudden like outage or, or something could, uh, catastrophic that could happen. And we, we haven't heard any news of that. Right. I think, yeah, I remember I saw an article the other day talking about there's some task force and I don't know, somewhere in the, uh, like the Tibet region of trying to go and, you know, find some of these illegal miners. Uh, but I mean, the size of the hashing power that went offline is pretty substantial so you know i couldn't imagine them finding somebody that's you know consuming like 200 megawatts but you never know right but according to these sites some of them you know the, it went down to 75 and then went back up to 80 now and it, it could be increasing so that kind of leads me to believe that something blew out and that you know they're restoring it gradually as it comes uh, I, you know, I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine a manufacturer really pre-mining this much equipment. It just doesn't seem logical, hmm. to be honest. It, it, I, I get your point, and, I, and you know, I've heard of the delays, and we're going to touch that a, a little later on. But it doesn't seem plausible, like, that they would just shut them off all quickly like that. And, you know, like, if they were just good, they couldn't ship that many. It, it, you know, so it, it takes time to ship everything and pack it. And, you know, so it would be more logical to turn down 20,000 and then move on, right? Not just shut down the entire operation. So it seems more like in line with like a grid going down in China or something like that, that feeds a bunch of farms and that we'll hear about it down the road here. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Most likely we'll see it come back. Uh, I don't think it's gone for good. I think it's just temporary. And as far as the price drop, uh, you know, it, it's been fluctuating back and forth. You know, it's been crossing below 10,000. It hit like 94, 9,300 a few weeks ago. And then it came roaring back all of a sudden, crossed right back into 10,200 or higher. So these price fluctuations are normal for Bitcoin. And uh, I thought maybe it was stabling a little bit, but now we're seeing some more volatility. Well, Let's jump into our second subject, which would be something that's near and dear to your heart, which is uh, Blockstream. You love Blockstream as a company, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm being uh, being a tad bit sarcastic there. But uh, they they made this announcement. It's it's actually a little late or a little older news, but you're talking almost three weeks where they announce an enterprise mining play. And in in reality, I, uh, there's a lot of skepticism around the announcement. It kind of came off extremely. Uh, kind of like PR related. There wasn't a lot of meat behind the articles or the information on it. They announced that they were partnering with Fidelity. So of course, people got all excited about it. But when you actually dug down into it, um, there wasn't a lot of substance. It talked about their capacity to have like 300 megawatts, but it didn't actually tell you how much they're mining with today, right now. Uh, Matt, so you go, go ahead and, and, and get your rant on. <laughs> why, why do you think it's going to be a rant? Well, I think we both agree on this. I think actually most real miners who are plugged in would probably be very 
uh, in agreement with like kind of our takes on it? Well, I mean, at first, Blockstream has come across to me as a company looking to enter different markets by using, you know, Dr. Back's notoriety in the white paper. And Samson Mao just shows up at different meetings and just unannounced and uninvited. I've heard that from several people in China as well. And now uh, there's a lot of talk from, you know, the people in Montreal that are saying, hey, we have hosting available, but now Blockstream's coming in and they're trying to wheel the big stick and and, and say, hey, we've got all this horsepower. And even to the point where I, I heard that the picture was fake and that some people in Montreal were saying that it was BitFarm's picture of their facility. I don't know that for true. Just heard from different people in Montreal that they were upset and that they thought it was, you know, FUD as well. It was a big PR stance and they do have some kind of relationship with Fidelity. But Fidelity, I've heard, has bought miners from multiple manufacturers, has done business with Bitmain and Watts Miner and InnoSilicone. This is evident in their friendliness uh, at that show I went to in May. Everybody was invited and, you know, we all seem to, you know, have a lot of good discussions together. The one, one person that was absent from that was Blockstream. I didn't see them or didn't meet anybody from them. But it, it doesn't surprise me that they're, they're trying to enter this. After the whole Dragon Mint fiasco, I, I think it's a little disappointing to see them, you know, trying to convince people in the space that they have some kind of uh, expertise in mining because in my mind, they don't. They don't have really any advantage over anybody in Montreal or setting up your own mine with your own advantage of power. I hear it as a little you know, PR stunt and just to try to get some clients to come with them so that they could pre-sale some, some hosting. I'm sure they have a lot of miners and I'm sure they've made a bunch of money on different things uh, in the past. But to me, it seems kind of weird to, to see them entering in uh, the hosting arena and making this big announcement using some fake pictures possibly and uh, causing a little stir. Yeah, I yeah I don't know about I I know that those pictures looked very similar to the Bitfarm setup. I did uh, I did on Twitter actually reach out to Bitfarms and they confirmed that it was not their facility or the pictures of their facility. Um, however, there really isn't any uh, uh, verification on any of their their uh, facilities. They they in in the press release which we'll post in the um, in the show notes. They did mention multiple facilities, one of them being in the, that Montreal area. Uh, and then secondly, there was an area in Georgia outside of Atlanta. And just recently, there's been some pictures of some uh, construction taking place. But that's really it. So uh, to me, it sounds like they've partnered. They, they're kind of the marketing end to uh, either Fidelity or some other larger institutional players kind of uh, angle to bring in institutional uh, kind of enterprise miners and Blockstream is kind of like the marketing partner behind it. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I've got my doubts. Uh, they don't have any, like you said, there's nothing from an operational uh, expertise side of things. Like they're not their own manufacturer. They're not their own power generator. So in reality, if someone is choosing to mine with them, it's going to be for a premium. For us miners out there, it'll be interesting to see how things kind of uh, transpire over the next year or two with them. Yeah, I also think it's it's 
it's unfortunate that they use some of their, you know, notoriety from their CEO to push into the hosting arena and all these different, they backed the Dragon Mint. I found it very questionable. It was, I know it wasn't Blockstream themselves, but everybody knows and, and seems to think that they have some higher power in Bitcoin or they're, you know, they're involved in software. They're now involved, said something about pools. So they're, they're trying to be in every facet of Bitcoin and, and try to show that they're the super company in this, in this arena, when in reality, they haven't done much, if you look at huh. it. You know, so okay. from, I mean, from the standpoint of, of, of like, what have they contributed to Bitcoin? Um, I don't know if I see much contribution. Well, you know, I, to be fair, so I think... Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. There, I think there's elements... Well, I think there's elements of Blockstream that are kind of contradictory, right? Like you've got their development of the green address, uh, which is a really slick... Um, this was an acquisition that took place. Uh, so like the green address wallet, they've repackaged it. They made a very slick multi-sig type setup that they've done really well with. Uh, the liquid side chain has definitely proven to be, I would say, a success. Uh, and But that was from like kind of their internal dev team side. Their Lightning Network um, dev work so far has been really good. But then you've got, you know, like this other side of the company, which is like this marketing side with Samson and Dr. Back, which I feel like is almost, it almost takes away from some of the legitimacy um, in term uh, in terms of some of the engineering stuff that's going on, so for sure there's room for, I think, criticism. But you know, it's I think it's just a little bit more complicated with, you know, just some of like how they do things on a marketing side and uh, represent themselves. Well, what I find a little disturbing is is that you know they're trying to do pools, they're involved in Lightning Network, you know, they have their mind on fees. It's very clear. Well, let let's let's talk about that pool. Like what, what some dig into that. Cause I think you and I have the same view on this pool. Why, why it's kind of a, it's kind of a, not a big story. Well, I mean, you gotta, you gotta have customers to be on the pool and you gotta convince them that your pool is better than the others. I, I also don't like the, 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 the closeness that some of the core developers like Matt Corallo has with Blockstream. There's kind of like, to me, a facet of collusion involved. Uh, I, I'm not going to say anything because I have no proof of anything, but I'm just, from an outsider looking in, I see them as trying to get involved as, as much as they can to make sure that they're involved in fees, mining, pools, hosting, lightning network, wallets, and then they also have their explorer. And, you know, there's just different stuff that seems like it's all interconnected yes and I, I agree it's it's for bitcoin but it seems like it's meant to promote this company i have questions on the founders and their backgrounds of what makes them so great in bitcoin uh, other than the the footnote in the white paper there's just more to it i see it seems like this is part of their agenda they're trying to influence and i, I don't know if they're going to win you know bitcoin seems to shun things like this and and move towards like individuals mm. like setting up their own farms and not going with this big person but you know clearly fidelity found some 
safe haven with the name Blockstream. It seems like it holds weight for them if they say, hey, who are the big companies in this space? Well, there are none, really. I mean, if a public company was just to enter the space, uh, you know, and, and you would say, who would you partner with on a manufacturing side? Well, Bitfury was, came to mind, you know, like that's why HUD-8 did it. It seemed like a logical choice for them, and they were able to lock up North America. Uh, Blockstream has no, no agreement with any manufacturer at the moment that I hear about. Their facilities are just going to be there and be another hosting option, I guess. I just hope that these big corporations that want to get into Bitcoin down the road don't fall for this PR stunt that Blockstream is the option that's going to be the safe haven for them. Yeah. So my take on the pool side of things is you mentioned Matt Corallo. And yes, he was an early member of Blockstream, but he but he left and it, he's actually had a public spat with Samson um, on Twitter like a number of months ago. Hmm. And so there was actually some kind of bad blood between those two, or at least a certain portion of Blockstream and him, which what I find really fascinating is that they essentially, they forked BetterHash. So uh, because BetterHash, which is a a protocol uh, open source software developed by Matt Corallo, it's completely open source. And so all Blockstream said was, hey, this looks like a a great uh, platform to build on. We're going to take it. And so uh, it's almost like a shot across the bow to that, uh, you know, that kind of ongoing tiff that some of those people at Blockstream seem to have with Matt. And they've essentially used repackaged his software um, to provide this for their pool, pool which uh, anybody who's into open source software understands that, that that's part of the, the deal. When you make your software available to anyone f- to freely distribute, even your competitors can use it. Uh, so it will be it'll be fun to kind of see how that kind of continues because I know Matt's working on a project as well too. Yeah, I, I didn't even know about that little spat. I, I don't really follow Twitter these days much as you, but um, that leads to my argument. You know, there there is something more about this. They're looking to maybe monopolize certain aspects of the Bitcoin community to corner certain markets. That's not good for Bitcoin, but it, I'm sure Bitcoin and, and its users will shake itself out and uh, bring to light whatever is, is behind this. But yeah, I, I don't know much about the macro beef with Samson, but uh, I know I'm blocked from Samson uh, on Twitter. <laughs> you troll you. Well, let's jump into our, our next subject, which you know we've, we both have some experience in in, in, uh, in different ways, is the supplier delays on new miners. You've got uh, What's Miner, MicroBT, obviously, um, Bitmain, and uh, Inosilicon all releasing miners doing pre-sale batches all the way through the summer. And obviously, I think that's uh, responsible for the uptick in hash rate, but there has been some delays with a number of these manufacturers. So why don't we kind of get, get up to speed on that, Matt? Yeah, so basically what I'm hearing is, is that there's only two manufacturers who make the chips. It's Taiwan Semiconductor and it's Samsung. Samsung's been under extreme delays because of trade war with Japan, which is going uh, unnoticed in the news. But when I Googled it, it's true that supplies for the silicone are from 
Japan are being delayed or were being delayed to South Korea, which then, you know, obviously delays the chip manufacturing for something like this. I've also heard 5G is playing a role in it, that that technology is being rushed out and that Samsung is trying to get ahead of the curve. And so they're dedicating more of their internal to 5G than, than crypto mining. And the same with Taiwan Semiconductor. They're, they're focusing on Apple's new chips and all that, that stuff for the phones and that the crypto mining is just not taking priority for them in, in, as far as chipsets. Now, uh, as far as the pre-sales being delayed, I think could be two different things. It could be what I've just described as the supply chain problem, as well as maybe the manufacturers being a little over-aggressive in taking pre-sales. Now, there's really no way to tell how many uh, miners you know, are, are, are sold in these markets. There's no like uh, real tickers of, of how much miners are, are sold on pre-sales and, and batches. But there was an article that was published, I believe, in one of the publications mentioned about MicroBT selling 200,000 uh, miners, which was announced at a uh, conference, which happened, I think, over the weekend in China. And the CEO, Dr. Young, was at the conference. I think it was on Coindesk. Here it is. Uh, MicroBT expects 400 million in Q3 as Bitcoin miner sales surge. They said they sold about 200,000 by the end of this month that, that they're going to be delivered. There you go. Um, you know, maybe the delay is true about the manufacturing if they say they're going to deliver it by the end of the month. There's definitely been a delay in, in uh, delivery, I've heard, across the board. I've heard from, from InnoSilicon, Wattsminer, and I heard that August batch was delayed for Bitmain because some people in China that had ordered them, the S17s, did not get their batch yet. What this all means, I don't know. Is it coinciding with this hash drop? I, I think that's a little conspiracy, but uh, we don't really know. We're on the other side of the world, right? Yeah. It really seems like from the manufacturer side of things, they're pretty in unison in terms of blaming the chip manufacturers, you know, one just has to take them at their word. It's not like there aren't any uh, boxes going out. They definitely are moving. It's just a little bit slow, which would definitely lend credence to, to that take. But the Chinese are not exactly known for their transparency. And so because they've had somewhat shady ways of doing things in the past, specifically Bitmain kind of leading the way with, rampant uh, pre-mining in the past. Uh, I think it's just kind of the default, you know, mindset of all of us who are in uh, this game to automatically assume that that's what's happening again, because that's what these companies have done in the past. So we'll probably never know. But, you know, I think if the delays continue much longer, you'll start to see a lot more pressure uh, into stuff. But It'll be really interesting going into 2020 to see how much hashing power is on the network. I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking it'll be close to 150 um, by the end of the year. We were, we were all thinking of at yeah. least 120 now when we met over the summer. Yeah, I mean, this flash crash could be just, just something that just happened and we'll never know why. According to this article, what they've announced, and you know, there's... 
that would be worth about $350 million in, or $400 million in gross sales. It's good for Bitcoin. It's good for mining, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure they're going to deliver the miners as scheduled. Agreed. So we, we, we'll see how it goes. When you say it's good for Bitcoin, you're saying that because it's very good that we have a competitive landscape among mining manufacturers again. That, as well as the hash rate going up, makes it more secure. Well, that leads us into our second to last topic, which is the upcoming happening. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of speculation in terms of uh, some competing theories that there's this whole stock to flow ratio that's just taken Twitter by storm and stock to flow has been pioneered by this anonymous Twitter account apparently is, uh, you know, some type of hedge fund quant guy uh, in Europe named plan B. And he has essentially come out with this model that tracks um, Bitcoin supply to halvenings and price. And it's modeled out almost perfectly to other assets like gold, et cetera. And uh, is, he's essentially saying that the price is going to jump up into the 100,000 range um, very soon. Uh, in 2020, either near the happening or right after the happening. So, uh, you know, obviously a lot of bulls are excited about that, but it does tie into the mining kind of landscape and why you're seeing such maybe uh, exuberism with um, people buying machines, people trying to get scalable mining operations up and, and going as well. What do you think, Matt? I haven't really seen that Twitter account. I have to get up to speed when Tommy posts it as well. But yeah, I mean, the happening, I th we're baked in right now. That's the feeling I've been getting the last few weeks, that the price action that we've seen and the run-up until 14000 and the pullback, the hash rate increasing, all this excitement back in the, uh, in the minor market for the last six to eight months leads me to believe that this is the happening run-up and that we are in it. And where we go to really depends on where we are, you know, closer to the end of the year. I know a lot of people have placed their bets by securing pre-sales. And if they really did, you know, sell 200,000 miners, a micro BT, how many did you think, you know, silicone sold? How many do you think Bitmain sold and Canon? And there is definitely excitement. And I see that as positive push towards what you've just described as these numbers, I, I don't know, 100,000, 50,000, I don't even think those are attainable at the moment, given the volatility and the push that I've been tracking, you know, on the, on the price side. We have a very hard time breaking through some of these resistance levels lately. Unless something changes drastically, we get some new blood. This doesn't seem like new, new people and new blood coming into the market. This seems like all the old people coming back for some more. And we're driving this market, the old miners and the new miners and people who've been waiting on the sidelines since the last run up, who didn't get their chance and, and place their bets. So I don't know. I, I don't know if we're going to be a little disappointed running into the happening closer and that we're not going to see what you're talking about or, or we're going to see this exuberance and uh, a skyrocket. I'm leaning towards, you know, seeing most of the price action this year and running into the beginning, early beginning of 
of next year. If we don't see it by then, I don't think we see it. I think because then, then who's buying these version of miners at these ROIs? If, like you said, it goes to 150 or, like I said, 120, and the price doesn't go and go to 15, 16, 17 and stay there, what is the uh, outlook for an S9? Or I've done some number crunching. What's the outlook for an S9 if we do uh, see a run-up and then a hard pullback back like to say 7,500 with a 150 hash rate? The S9 doesn't look like it, it survives that anymore, mm-hmm. except for in really like extreme third world countries. The S9 survives everything. <laughs> I know. It seems like it's resilient. I, I've predicted its death several times. <laughs> And it doesn't want to die on me. I know all those people who bought them cheap are cursing me uh, and say, that's my baby. But if you run some numbers, I did on Scott's little tool there and some other tools. And I tried to you know, play around with the hash rate and the predictive halvening like he has it and, and so forth. The S9 doesn't look too good after halvening if we drop down below 10,000 like to 7,500. Let me just tell you that. Yeah, but it looks it looks very good still. If we're if we're sixteen thousand, the happening doesn't affect it as much. Yeah, that's a bit of a contrarian take because I think right now the prevailing sentiment is that hey, it's it's rocket ship time. Buckle in. We're we're in accumulation zone, like similar to uh, I would say the uh, the hard fork with uh, with Bitcoin Cash back in uh, you know summer of twenty seventeen. You know, people just had this expectation that Bitcoin was going to rocket uh, back when it was like around two grand or so. But it didn't. And it, it, it did. did. It did for a second. No, well, and then it, it pulled back. It pulled back to 1800. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at, I meant, I meant like right, right, yeah, right after that fork though. But people had a pretty good indication. Like once the, you know, the USAF soft fork was uh, kind of, you know, mitigated all that stuff and they had the split, it, it was like, rocket ship time after that and i feel like people have a similar mindset to this but i also feel like at the end of 2017 when of course we're like moon moon phase people were thinking 2018 was going to be launch like just pure we're going to the like you know outer stratosphere as far as we could go because we're going to have all these forks that were going to come and people are going to make money off of all these bitcoin forks and it was going to be people were just going to rack it up and in, if anything it was probably one of people got wrecked more than anything in 2018 so either way i'm not i'm not going to commit uh, because you know a lot of this is emotion based like oh it feels like it could be like this we have no idea uh, so well, we have to push it I mean, we have to push the price. Oh, oh we definitely do. And 15, 16, for these other people, for the sideline people, for the people who are speculators, to come back in to get it to higher again. Because if we don't touch those numbers again, there's no incentive for anybody on the street, the bartenders, all those people that, that shouldn't have been in Bitcoin in the first place so early and then came in in 2017, they have to come back or a new version of them has to come back in my mind, I don't see that happening unless we hit the price like higher. Like, like we got to hit the 15, 16 and start turning more heads. Like, we turned a lot of heads hitting 12, 13, 14, you know, thousand this run up. Well, you're talking about a very taboo subject right now because, you know, in theory, you and I are com- 
competitors with each other, right? We we because we mine separately, and we we want other miners to go out of business, uh, just out of like a pure uh, selfish standpoint in terms of like why, where our incentives are, are aligned. And we both know that in order to make money in mining, it's at a it's a very very small window where people make the most margins in mining. So the name of the game is just to be able to essentially be in the game you don't you're not going to make a ton of money through a majority of the year or through a majority of like let's let's not even put it in a year perspective the the blocks that are that are like being continually to be mined uh you're you're trying to get to a scenario where the difficulty gets adjusted a little bit and you catch that sweet spot of a difficulty adjustment in your favor and a price swing action while others are turning, you know, theirs off. And so it's really setting up, at least I'm talking about a larger scale kind of operation. It's really setting things up where you can be at least break even when we're in the worst of the worst, or even during like, you know, kind of like a middle period, but be in position to capitalize when we have those couple months of an upswing that you make, you know, hundreds of percent on, on your investment. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm leaning towards big disappointment, unfortunately. I see a lot of people have made a lot of bets in buying miners, and it feels like fall of 2017 where people bet a lot into mining and then got whooped, including me. This run-up that we've been seeing over the summer, this excitement in mining about new boxes, it just feels like we're in the habiting run-up. And I don't know where it stops, 15, 16, and we settle there, and then things stay very brisk in the mining market. So you and I have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think that that's a perfect segue to our last and final topic for, for today, which is the uh, secondary market. And as you and I were discussing before the show, there's two elements to the secondary market, right? You've got your secondary market for pre-sale orders that took place months and months ago. Uh, for new miners. And then you've got your used secondary market. So obviously I pay a pretty close attention to it. And uh, it's really interesting how flat it's been on the pre-sale secondary market side of things. We were expecting a, a kind of a premium potentially on some of these new boxes that were coming out. And initially there was some interest back like mid-summer, like beginning of August, end of July. You know, there was, there was some interest in, you know, people ac uh, acquiring them at a premium. But really, that interest has died way down, and I would look at that as a indicator that people are like, "I want to mine. I don't want. I don't want to do whatever I can to mine right now." So there's definitely a an interesting gamble taking place uh, with those things. What do you think, Matt? You're saying that they're not releasing them, or the to for sale, or are you saying that they there's no market for it? Nobody's paying it. Uh, I think that the, the if there was a market there for people who were willing to buy them at double the price of what they were like, you know, look, look at some of these prices. You're talking anywhere from two thousand to twenty five hundred dollars, probably right in that ballpark of people who pre-ordered a lot of these boxes for you know, whatever M20s's or S17s, whatever that number is. I would expect to see people being able to get between $4,500 to $5,000 all day long in some of these kind of secondary market channels, and none of them are moving. 
that people have them listed. I've checked with a lot of the brokers. It's very dead for I them. think it's the delays from the manufacturers on the delivery. Mm. I don't think it's the market right now, Interesting. to be honest with you. I think that people have thought that they were going to get the miners right away, and if they're going to be jerked around, then they're, they're going to play the game and, and, and see what the market has to bear. I, don't, I also think that not a lot of people that originally thought about flipping them are flipping them. They're actually finding power. You know, they're, they're getting hosting and they want to take delivery. From my outlook, I've seen a lot of people uh, very eager to take delivery and not looking to resell them. Well, I think the, the, the market for them not being there to buy is probably... If it's all about timing. For example, people were really excited about that when we had that initial jump from like six to 10. In fact, I think at one point it got up to like 14. Uh, so of course you had this initial kind of like, Hey, we want to get into the secondary market. And there was, you know, a period of like a month or two that that was kind of hot. Now that I think price has settled back down and kind of reached this equilibrium, uh, that interest isn't there from the people who are, FOMOing. So I would expect maybe there would be more interest if the price spiked here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But I could be wrong. I mean, it, to me, I, I was expecting another pullback. I, I mean, the graph, I, I do a little like playing and trading, as you know, and, and graphing. I'm thinking that I know something about that stuff. And uh, uh, my indications look like it's heading down before it comes turning back around, but Bitcoin usually does a big red candle down and then turns around and does a huge green candle up. So it's hard to tell, but I think because price settled a little bit, like you said, people are not moving forward with some of the purchases maybe that, that, that they were going through. They were seeing if the price continues to go up. Uh, they're also contemplating overpaying for a box that ensures that you might not ROI, mm -hmm. right? I don't know, you know, so I've heard of people like looking for test boxes, five, you know, six, 10, you know, high, high prices, but hundreds and hundreds of them overpaying 2X. I don't know if anybody's out there doing that. Right Excellent now. point. I think that if you, if you said, hey, Matt, you, I got five miners to sell. Uh, can you sell them for me? Uh, you know, $500 more. Maybe, or maybe Scott can, you know, but taking on a big bundle of somebody's miners at a double price that what they probably paid, that's, that's going to be a little hard to handle because you're basically ensuring never ROI. Yeah, but, very good point. Very good uh, point. You know, I think that may, maybe that's what we're seeing. And we're also seeing this flatness that, that kind of stagnates sales a little bit. We're definitely seeing minor sales following price. And that when the pre-sales are selling out, people are betting more. But how much do they bet into the future of next year? That's my question. Do they go into January, February, March? Is there new boxes that come out? I, I think there might be new boxes coming out before the halving, like announced, not delivered, uh, because it, it just makes sense that they're going to push a faster box and then, you know, they're going to say, oh, yep. this is going to get you through the happening now. Who knows? I mean, it really, it really has to do with price, doesn't it? The hash rate can go up as much as it wants, but the price is going to really help us or really hurt us. 
just because you got less Bitcoin, if you had double price, it would negate it, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I look at what happened during 2018 as a better indicator, right? Like from the time we peaked at the end of 2017 through pretty much all of 2018, hash rate continued to go up over what we, you know, we were at the peak of 2017, right? People, a lot of folks like us got involved and yet price did not correlate with hash rate in that instance. It, people got wrecked. Well, we made our bets back in December. So we were buying, we were buying miners in presale. Correct. I bought my miners back in December of 2017 when the price was running and I was going to get delivered in March. By the time March hit, I was done. I already I already knew that I couldn't put them in the yep. place that I already had specked out because eight and a half cents was going to kill me. I was look scrambling, looking for other places. I don't know. I don't know if we have the same environment right now. I think that maybe we do. Maybe we'll see a run up. The price will run again. Everybody will come, and then all the pre sales will start again, even further into the new year, and and then we'll run into the heavening. But the heavening to me, we all knew was coming and we've been anticipating. I don't think that we see price spiking when the heavening occurs. Uh, it's, either, it's either before or way after. I don't, you know, historically, it doesn't show that heavenings have had spikes in price, correct? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm leaning towards we're kind of baking in the heavening now. This summer run up, this mining. Uh, this new 200,000 that Watts miners sold, all these different numbers that we're hearing, you know, people buying miners and farms coming up. All this is due to that. People thinking that they're going to miss out and they, a lot of people have placed their bets already. I agree. Well, Matt, it was fantastic to be able to catch up. We know it's been a little while, uh, but we are dedicated now that summer is over. Kind of we're on more consistent schedules. We're looking for, we've got some good interviews lined up, lots of stuff happening in the container world, uh, lots of stuff happening in these custom PDU uh, kind of innovation side of things uh, to keep up with these powerful boxes. So we're going to be uh, touching base and talking to folks in, in those markets. And we're looking to tap into kind of, especially here in the United States and Canada, the kind of growing natural gas or trap gas kind of movement. Uh, we're going to be talking to some folks who are playing uh, in those realms as well. So uh, we want to thank you. Um, anything else from your end, Matt? No. Let's hopefully uh, price goes up and uh, the, the flash crash stays down. We'd like to see the hash rate decrease, right? A little bit. Not, not for a long time. Just enough so we can make some money. Great. Well, it was nice talking with you, Tommy. Thanks. All right. Thank you, listeners. Uh, you know, like we mentioned before, uh, you can reach us at CryptoMinerPodcast at gmail.com for any questions, inquiries, uh, those types of things. Uh, and, of course, we look forward to uh, doing more episodes. You know, I'm glad you all are, are along for the ride with us, and I hope you guys learned something as well. So uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Later.
becoming a threat. So elite. You know rappers like to rock pools. I got fools who guess women, but I'm collecting a spice like a Fremen. So you fools get stepping and get to choosing your weapon because the definite roar of indefinite war is epic. I found a new way to debit the people. I generate an Anderson, I generate a sequel.